Here's what's coming up on today's show. There's kind of this misconception that bonds are safe, right? So 40% in bonds, oh, that's that's my safe money. Well, yeah, anybody you, who has bonds yeah. today used to be, with right, interest but, rates right. going up knows that that's not the case, right? Welcome to Marsha on Money with Marsha Harris, the founder and CEO of Unified Wealth and Retirement Planning. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. It's Marsha on Money with Marsha Harris and myself. We're going to have a little fun this uh, this episode. We're going to do a little quiz, a little pop quiz. Now, don't turn the podcast off just because you heard pop quiz. Uh, I know we dreaded this kind of stuff when we were in school, but this will be fun. We're going to go through and see uh, how we do with our retirement planning. Maybe we can see if we can get an A uh, on this short little pop quiz. Only five questions, so nothing too major. Marsha, what's going on? How are you? I'm fantastic. How are yeah, you, Mark? I'm doing good. Did you like quizzes in school? Were you good at pop quizzes? Uh, <laughs> can I remember that far back? I do. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Let's go with yes. yes. Welcome. There you Welcome. go. You know, it's something, it's definitely words that we dreaded as kids, right? Oh, pop quiz. Right. That was no fun. You didn't get to school want to hear that. But this will just be fun. I've got some simple stuff. We've got kind of some have some good answers. Some are a little silly, uh, but just kind of see, you know, what you think. I want you to chime in. Pick the, the best option. It's multiple choice, by the way. So pick the best option and uh, and then, you know, kind of if you would maybe explain your your reasoning for that uh, or give us a counterpoint. OK. Okay. All right. So let's do it here on the podcast with Marsha on money. At what age should you start saving for retirement, Marsha? Should it be A, when you begin working, B, after you buy your first home, or C, once you've paid off all your debt? Ooh, good question. Well, I never, it's never too early to start saving, right? But I always Mm -hmm. say it's never too late either. When you begin working, I think for sure, it's, it's good to just get into a, um, sort of put that into your budget, right? And and the dreaded B word budget, nobody likes that. But right, right. it is it is important to start getting into a routine and just being disciplined sure. about saving. So I think the sooner the better for sure. Although I guess you could make an argument for some of the other points as well. I just I think if you wait until after I think it was after you buy your first home, right. you said that seems more daunting to save. I think depending on your generation too, right? Because people right now can't afford to buy a home. I mean, they're just sure. you know, crazy out of yeah. price. And if you go Absolutely. with C, which you really shouldn't, like when you paid off all your debts, that's never ending, right? You're always going to have some sort of debt, I feel like. I w- yeah, I was going to say, is, yeah. is there ever a time where there's no debt right, that you have? Exactly. I, I don't know that we ever, unfortunately, uh, realize Get that there. goal. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. No, right, I think right. A is right because, I mean, I definitely, a-, a is right. And it's something that it's hard to do when you're young, right? Because you're thinking, well, I don't want to pay my, why am I paying my future self? I need the money now, <laughs> you know, kind of That's thing. That's right. That's but right. at some point you will be older, hopefully. And, uh, you know, you're going to want to do that. I guess we could maybe put in a D uh, to kind of go with your point of if you didn't start as soon as you started working, it's never to start now, right? You know, That's if right. Listen, if you're That's listening right. to this podcast and you're younger, hey, start now, whatever. Yeah. And I think you touched on a good point, too, when you said, you know, it depends like generations of you saving and spending mm-hmm, and right. debt very differently. Very different. So older generations, you know, we've probably heard our our grandparents or maybe your parents say if they didn't have the money in the bank, they didn't buy it. You know, they didn't use credit to buy true, things. It was true, they yeah. they saved for purchases and that's what they 
would use to make those purchases would be cash. So, yeah, it just good depends, point. I guess. That's yeah. a good point. Uh, uh, but of, of our options, yes, A. So, hey. hey, how'd you do, folks? Did you get that one right? Hopefully you did. Pretty easy one there, I think. Uh, let's go to number two, Marcia. Uh, which of these is the best estimate of how much income you might need in retirement? Again, best estimate of these choices. A, 50% of your current income. B, 85% of your current income. C, 100% of your current income. Or D, none of the above. Well, I would say this is going to vary based mm-hmm. on someone's spending habits and what their you know what their what their debt is what their expenses are what the lifestyle is that they want to live in retirement so i i do income planning as a tool um, to help people retire right, which right. is what we do every day and the numbers are are different for people on average i would say it's probably in that 85%, you know, sometimes. Well, I think that's the traditional number, right? That's kind of the traditional number, yeah. yeah. And then some people need less, some people need more. Mm-hmm. Um, I have some clients who want to travel and maybe uh, other clients who want to travel, their travel looks different. Maybe it's road trips and it's staying relatively close to home <laughs> well, while others want gas, to, gas you know, they want no to see the what. whole world. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's yeah. true. Um, prior to this year, I right. guess we could. True. You know. um, Fair point. So yeah, if they're wanting to fly internationally and do things like that, mm-hmm. you know, that's going to make a big difference. So one person's travel to someone else's travel could be well, let me, uh, could vary greatly. Right. Let me play devil's advocate here for a second yeah. since that's kind of my job. Um, sure. So, you know, 85% is that kind of traditional number that we, we've heard for many years. Well, you'll be, you know, in a lower tax bracket, 85% is all you'll need, yada, yada, yada. But with the current state of the world, and not even just the current inflation, but just in general, it seems like the last 10 years or so, it seems like more like 100% would be the answer most people want to or find themselves at, maybe not want to, but find themselves at, because it just in general does cost more. And we are living better typically, right? I mean, as seniors, we are living healthier and longer. So we're kind of being more active. So maybe shorting yourself by saying 85% is all we're going to need. Maybe you're curtailing things that you might want to do. Just devil's advocate. No, I think that's, that's a wonderful point. And I always, I would say, lean to the side of planning for more, right? You know, exactly. and then if you end up spending less, well, that's well, great, great. Yeah, put it back in the bank, uh, leave it to the kids, don't whatever. Want to yeah. go, yeah, the opposite, which is you know, planning to spend less and then needing more. That's right. never uh, a position that we want to be in. So, I generally am trying to replace close to a hundred percent of gotcha. working years income for okay. sure. Yeah, fantastic. And yeah. I think that's where people find themselves, right? It, it's yeah, you could easily make the argument that hey, I could do it on 50 cuz I just want to sit on the front porch and whittle, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that's fine, but you know, let's be fair, you you know, the itch is probably going to happen to want to do more things, so maybe it's better to plan for a bit more. And like you said, then if you don't need it, well, then you just, you know, you have extra to leave behind to the to the heirs or whatever. So, yeah, um, and certainly now oh. I think too, Mark. I would just add to that that the current like inflationary environment that we're in, right? right if right. if people, let's say that we continued to see this for some time, and you were planning on things going up two to three percent a year and in, in costs, mm-hmm. which has sort of been the average historically. Well, now it's over eight percent. So yeah. if things 
if that continues for a, an extended period of time, you know, that's something that we need to take into consideration. Yeah, for sure. We might need 110%, right? Yeah, we might. Yeah. yeah. Oh, gosh, let's hope we don't have 8% for multiple years. Wow. That would be oh, rough. Oh, let's hope not. That would be rough. Uh, question number three. Which of these do you find that retirees fear the most? This one's pretty easy, folks. I think everybody's going to probably get this one, but everybody's different. But which do you find the most, Marsha? A, not leaving enough to the kids. B, running out of money. Or C, nursing home care. That's another great question. By far and away, I would say B, Mm -hmm. running out of money. Um, That has been, in my experience, the biggest fear that people have going into retirement. You know, do I have enough? Is it going to be there as long as I am? Most of my clients don't have a goal of leaving assets to children or grandchildren. Not that that applies to everyone, but right. the majority of my clients, that's just not a a main driver for them in I their feel like a healthy, retirement planning. Right. I feel like a healthy place for that, Marsha, and, and tell me what you think, is, you know, if something's left, great, let them have it. Right. But, you know, I'm not going to, you know, we've worked hard. We're not going to short ourselves our retirement just to leave something to the the family. I think that's a, a probably a healthy place for people to be because what we often wind up, we do so much for our kids and obviously we're supposed to and obviously we want to. But at some point you do have to kind of figure out this the cycle or circle of if you do too much and you sacrifice too much of your retirement, then you did become a burden on them in your later years. Right. So it's this kind of fine line we walk. It really is. And you're right. That's that's what I hear most often is, hey, if, if there's anything left, then great. Yeah, but they're exactly. certainly not expecting that. Most times the children don't want the parents to be worrying about leaving anything to them. They right. want to see mom and dad enjoying mm-hmm. sort of the fruits of their labor. You know, they've worked hard and saved all these years and they want them to live the the lifestyle that they dream of living and not worrying about if there's anything left over for them. So that's not a a big consideration at all. And then I would say nursing home. It's probably number two, I would think. It's number two. And and most people are not thinking that's going to happen to them, which is normal. You know, no one ever wants to think that that's where they're going to be at Mm -hmm. some point. So um, it's sort of like that, you know, hey, it's somebody else mindset, you know, it's going to happen to those people over there, maybe my neighbors or people I know from church or whatever. So we never want to think that's going to happen to us. And for that reason, I think it's not as big of a concern. Well, and it's also, you know, it's talking more about mortality than necessarily running out of money, right? So we we get very shy about mortality conversations. So yeah, I mean, running out of money, number one, almost always the case. Uh, And it kind of, you know, I guess it kind of facilitates into two. If you've got enough money, well, then the nursing home care situation probably wouldn't be a conversation. Uh, Or if you've planned for long-term care, then you wouldn't have to worry about that as well. Also, so there you go. Planning comes in back into play on all of that. Let's do number four here. Which of these examples best represents, Marsha, a diversified retirement plan? Best from these examples. Uh, A, the traditional mix of 60% stocks, 40% bonds, 60-40 portfolio. B, three rental houses in various neighborhoods with a good chunk of cash sitting in the bank. C, 10 to 12 different mutual funds. Or D, none of the above. None of these are a diversified retirement plan. What do you think? Oh, it's another good one. It's so hard for me to stick to these these choices because I see, uh, you know, there's the little nuances in all of them. Right. That sort of. Let me just put this out there. It reminds me of a conversation that I had when I worked with a client back when I was in the banking world. You know, okay. before I went into independent financial planning and started my firm about 20 years ago, and 
the sweetest lady. I just looked forward to seeing her. She was very consistent about when she would visit the bank. It was the same time, once a week, on the same day. And I sat her down and we were having a conversation. Um, She was widowed and the word diversification came up and she was adamant that she's diversified because she does not keep all of her money in one bank. She actually has three different banks. Mm, uh-huh. So it, it speaks to some of this here where, you know, it's like having the rental homes in different neighborhoods, right. but they're all rental homes. It's still the all, same asset class, right? Yes. It's yeah. all real estate, right? Yeah. Which obviously has pros and cons, like sure. all of these options do. Sure. Um, that's not really diversification because it's a liquid and it's all in the same type of thing. So yep. if you needed cash and all of your money was in real estate, you know, what would you do? Well, on this option though, right? It's three rental homes and some cash in the bank, right? So you and could some go, cash. you could yeah. go to the bank, but I, I, I still agree with you. It's, Rental homes, it's it's they can be fantastic source of income in retirement, but what if it's a dry market, right? Or if it's a, you know, whatever the case might be, like if you lose that tenant and you don't get another tenant, well, now you've got money going out and nothing coming in, right? So it's, That's you right. know, it's not necessarily a, it's not the be all end all of a strategy. It's part of a strategy. Yes. Yes. I completely agree. So I would say out of these choices, A, the traditional, Pro- probably yeah. the traditional mix of sixty yeah. percent stocks and forty percent bonds, um, and that's what we've however, been taught, you know, for years. That's the way you go when you get older. It's sixty forty, but right, your risk tolerance may not call for that. Yeah, I mean, I'm almost inclined to say D, none of the above, <laughs> to be honest, because I, I personally would not sit down with someone and say we need to put 60% of your assets in stocks and 40% in bonds. And there you go. You're right. That's a well diversified plan. I don't agree with that today. Yeah. Today. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with you. Uh, Yeah. And that's, I'm glad you broke that down with the bank thing because that's exactly the same as really the 10 different mutual funds because they're more than likely a lot of overlap. They're more than likely, you know, large cap mutual funds, maybe some mid or small, but they probably have a lot of the same thing. And so when the market is down, like it has been, well, they're probably all down, right? Unless, that's course, right. And I think yeah. that's sort of the, as I reflect on these three choices, that's the common denominator is all of these things have risk. And what to me represents a diversified retirement plan is having part of your portfolio that does not have risk, right, you know, right, sort right. of that safe money that you know you can count on in the future. Yep. And if it's all in mutual funds and 60 or 60% is in stocks and there's kind of this misconception that bonds are safe, right? So 40% is in bonds. Oh, that's, that's my safe money. Well, anybody who has bonds today used to be interest rates going up knows that that's not the case. Right. So they kind of have that. We're in super weird times too, right? So the traditional stuff has not been the norm for a number of years now. Uh, no. Because everything's just been so strange, and and we've had conversations already about you know the, the how well the market has done up until this year, uh, and so therefore yeah, I mean if you've got everything in or too much, uh, and again that risk tolerance I mentioned, if you've got too much in in the market right now, and depending on where you were weighted, right? So if a lot of those mutual funds were maybe say tech heavy, whoo, mm. you know, mm. right? You're taking a yeah. beating. So yeah, Ouch. I would I would agree with you. None of the above is probably a better 
a better answer on this one. Getting a customized strategy for what you need is certainly going to be the better, I think, the better way to go on that one. Yeah, I think always going with that, okay, we need a growth component, right? Yeah. We need something sure. that's going to be Gotta able to grow that. so that we can keep up with inflation. and, and Or hope to. <laughs> um, or hope to, anyway. And then we need, you know, safe money and we need liquid money that mm-hmm. we can, you know, this cash that we have readily available. And so there's there's always different pieces that That's need right. to kind of come together. You yeah. got to have those three worlds of money, those three components. Right. We'll, we'll have That's to right. podcast on the three worlds of money one day. Uh, yeah. And that'll be fun as well. All right, let's do number five here. We'll wrap it up. To make sure that you do not run out of money in retirement, Marcia, only withdraw blank percent from your portfolio each year. Would it be 1% A, B, 4%, C, 6%, or D, find a different strategy altogether. Mm. Well, it would be great <laughs> if it was only 1%, right? If that's all we needed, that would be that'd be great. Yeah. Well, to Most not run people, out maybe 1% is to all not you run out could 1%. Take. Yes, yeah. I would say the, the you know, the more conservative you can be on your withdrawal rate is always better. But can you live um, off of 1%? Probably not. Probably not. Yeah. You know, the again, financial planning sort of rule of thumb, mm-hmm. if you will, is that 4%, but you know, it, it changes because it yeah. if you, 4% was kind of historically speaking, but as we've gotten into the last decade, we're really reflecting on that number. Yeah, I've heard and it called like the 2.9% rule now. I was going to say, yeah. now it's, we're thinking more between that 2 and 3% range is, mm-hmm. is a better place to be. So yeah. certainly the less you can take, the better you are, but we have to be realistic too. Yeah. And um, so obviously the 6% choice is is leaning, you know, pretty heavily. A little rough right now. Withdrawals. Yeah. yeah. And that I mean, would be really difficult if you're, if that money is in the market. Oh, yeah. And now you're having to take it out when it's, when, when it's down. Lost value. Yeah. yeah. I mean, think about it. If you've got a million dollars in accounts and you're pulling 4% a year, it's 40,000, right? Annually. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. That sounds like, you know, you could probably make that work. And that's, I think that's where the number kind of, you know, came from. But you also, depending on the type of account, right? You don't necessarily have a million dollars. You may have an IRA. Or maybe a traditional IRA, or maybe a four hundred one k, and you only have you know you got a partner in that, right? So maybe you only have like seven hundred thousand because you owe Uncle Sam. So mm-hmm. now you're pulling four percent off of that, right? And then the market's down to, to boot. So yeah, it gets maybe D is the way to go here. What do you think? Finding a different strategy altogether for the individual. Well, I think that's a great option. And what comes to mind there when I think about finding a different strategy is just how we prepare people for those income withdrawals in the future. And we always like to have a couple of options to go to because we don't want to go to that account that's invested in the market. And if it's today and you've lost, you know, some value there, depending how you're invested, that's going to dictate how much you've lost. Yep. But everyone's losing value in those accounts that are invested. So to have to go in and start taking income out at that time is just sort of a double whammy because you've lost the value. Now you're depleting the account with your withdrawals. We don't want to do that. That's not efficient. So we want to go to accounts where we don't have to worry about fluctuations in the value when you start accessing that money. So I would say, you know, what we always do is make sure we have options outside of just going to investments that are in the market that are subject to risk and loss when we need to start income. So yeah, yeah, and then find a different strategy. I go. like that. And that's yeah. where a lot of times the strategy of social security, when to turn it on, how to turn it on. If you have a pension, like that's where all these different, you know, are we look, are, do you have any annuities? You know, whatever the case might be, right. That's where the, the smorgasbord or the puzzle pieces kind of all come together as to which accounts do you turn on at which time, 
to get the things done that you need to get done, right? So that's why I feel like that different strategy is the combination of all that. Exactly. Yes. Okay. Well, good. Well, there you go. So how'd you do, folks? Did you do all right on our little quiz here? Did you kind of agree with Marsha and I as we kind of went through the different options and broke them down a little bit? As always, if you need some help and you're not already working with Marsha and uh, and the team there at Unified Wealth Retirement Planning, uh, get on our calendar. Have a conversation with her. Reach out with her. Subscribe to the podcast. Uh, share the information with others who might benefit from the show. Whatever the case is, you can find all of it at her website, which is unifiedwealthplanning.com. That's unifiedwealthplanning.com. Of course, you can always reach out to her as well by calling 260-338-2379. You should always do that before you take any action on anything you hear with uh, a show like ours or any others. Check with a qualified professional like Marsha about your unique situation. She is an investment advisor representative. Marsha, thanks for hanging out with me and playing the game. I appreciate you. Thanks for having me. That was the most fun quiz I think I've ever had. So it was great. <laughs> it's certainly better than when you were in the fifth grade, right? Who knew that quizzes could be fun? That's you know? right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, again, don't forget to subscribe, folks, to Marsha on Money on Apple, Google, Spotify, whatever that stuff is that you like to use, whichever podcasting platform is your favorite. And we'll be back with more in just a couple of weeks. So we'll see you next time here on Marsha on Money. The opinions expressed by Marsha Harris and guests on this radio show are their own and do not reflect the opinions of this station. All statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Investments involve risk and unless otherwise stated are not guaranteed. Past performance cannot be used as an indicator to determine future results. Any strategies mentioned may not be suitable for everyone. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for you. Before acting on any information mentioned, please consult with a qualified tax or investment advisor to determine if it is suitable for your specific situation. This program is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with regard to subject covered. Investment advisory services offered through Brookstone Capital Management LLC, BCM, a registered investment advisor. BCM and Unified Wealth Planning are independent of each other. Insurance products and services are not offered through BCM, but are offered and sold through individually licensed and appointed agents. Any comments regarding safe and secure products and guaranteed income streams refer only to fixed insurance products. Index or fixed annuities are not designed for short-term investments and may be subject to caps, restrictions, fees, and surrender charges as described in the annuity contract. Guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims paying ability of the issuer. Registered investment advisors and investment advisor representatives act as fiduciaries for all of our investment management clients. We have an obligation to act in the best interests of our clients and to make full disclosure of any conflicts of interest, if any exist. Please refer to our firm brochure, the ADV 2A page 4, for additional information.